This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Thursday, 27 July, Year of Lord 2023. Uh, I really want to thank... Um, Rob Sig and Parker Sig for the last segment in the show to break to blow a commercial break. Normally we do that versus live, but hey, when a guy like Doctor Malone goes, he's telling you you know highly classified information. He goes, hey, we're not we're not on, are we? Go, yeah, we're actually live. I guess that's calling an audible to play through. So I really want to thank the Denver crew and the Sigs for making that happen. Uh, I've got Dave Walsh, and we're going to go to, in a second to Dave about the so much going on in energy that I want to drill down and get the wisdom of an experience of Dave Walsh. But I want to start with uh, with Kerry Sheffield. Been on the show for many, many years. Kerry, a story, I, I don't understand this, so you're going to have to help me out here. I, I read it in the New York Post, and it was about, you, Kerry Sheffield, and, 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 and you do amazing work. You've done amazing work forever. But I don't think people, if they had to list the top five out-of-control fire brands, I don't think you make that list. And you're putting on an event, and, and a public Eventbrite, which is this massive public company that has this system for you know setting up things, and you get your tickets, everything, they cancel you. And I was going, man, if I had to think of a thing to cancel... And I think it's on women's empowerment. I mean, it's one of these women's empowerment that you're getting people together. You got speakers and workshops and all that. What's going on? Did, did this, was this just a technical error? Or did Eventbrite actually <laughs> shut down Carrie Sheffield's women's empowerment, what, conference? <laughs> Steve, thanks for having me. And, yeah, I am, I am definitely not a barn burner type personality. But I feel like even women like me, we have come to our wit's end because we have this company that was founded by a woman who puts out tweets and statements claiming at Eventbrite that they want to empower women, but shutting down our organization's event. It's happening August 12th. It's called Let Women Speak. It's a gathering. So we have Independent Women's Network, which is a nationwide network of women all over the country. I lead our Northern Virginia chapter. Our Austin chapter was hosting this event. She posted, the leader posted it on Eventbrite, and they were said, take it down. This violates our hate and violence uh, policies, and don't do it again. This is your warning. And all this event is, is a place for women to talk about what it means to be a woman and why we feel we are under attack right now when it comes to women's prisons, women's shelters, domestic violence shelters, need I say, uh, women's sports, uh, any place where for centuries now, we as women have been fighting to protect ourselves and having men help us uh, to protect ourselves. All of that is under attack right now uh, because of these policies and laws that allow with no questions asked 
a biological male to be transferred on a bus to a biological female prison where he can engage in sexual assault and all other other forms of just uh, violence against women um, because the state is sanctioning it. So we're not okay with this, but apparently Eventbrite is. Hold it, but so hang on. So now I got to the buried lead. There was something here, and 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 uh, because and correct me if I'm wrong, because in a number of these speakers or whatever, people want to put forward the issue of this transgender ideology, which allows men that are dressing as women or men that um, are acting as women to uh, compete in sports and to be in locker rooms and be all these issues. You were going to address that. And, of course, with the radical transgender ideology, that's totally verboten. And all of a sudden, you are a hate group. Is that, is that essentially what the issue is? Exactly. That's exactly what happened, Steve. And we sent an open letter to Eventbrite. Uh, our communications director was followed on Twitter by Eventbrite, sent a direct message to them. We've gotten no response to requests to put the event back up. And so we actually, if, you, if your if readers or your viewers want to go and click through on my New York Post website uh, article, I have a link to where you can directly contact the CEO of Eventbrite and ask to get this event put back up. And look, I'm not, uh, you know, I believe in free and open competition in the marketplace, but this, I think, is a viewpoint discrimination. Uh, I think this crosses the line. Um, and, w- you know, we're, we're, we're looking at our options here as far as there is precedence for you know, viewpoint discrimination is is not supposed to be allowed. Um, and and then like sexual discrimination, that uh, this website is discriminating against us as women. You're not supposed to discriminate against your consumers based on. So we're upset um, when, and again, if you all wanna help us contact the CEO, flood the lines for them, flood their email boxes to Eventbrite and say, this is not allowed um, because Again, and I know your and your daughter, uh, Captain Bannon, and you, Steve, uh, you guys get it when it comes to what's happening here with women. So it's it's wrong on multiple fronts. So the the assault on women's prisons and sports and shelters, it's wrong constitutionally because under the Equal Protection Clause, over the centuries, the courts have recognized that women are biologically distinct from men, and this completely erodes all of that case law by allowing men to say they are women, and the law does not recognize it. It hasn't for centuries. And now all of a sudden you're trying to tell me that through your words, you can change things that are immutable. They're scientifically flawed. So it's law, science, biology, and public opinion. That's the beauty of it, Steve, is that we are in the majority here. And this small cadre of tech CEOs think that they are running the show, but we're proving them wrong. It's actually deeper than that, though. Isn't it? Because what they're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, what they're saying is that you're having this conference about empowered women, and you've got certain uh, agenda items, a certain breakout sessions, certain speakers, and they're speaking about an issue that's in front of the nation, and, and it's turned out to be a big issue, kind of this radical minority, you know, and particularly impacting young women. Because I've seen this, as you know, Mo was a volleyball player. And, and so many parents, they, they work forever. These kids just dedicate so much of it. Then all of a sudden, they're competing against guys. That even the discussion of this, right? You're not to the point of a change law. You're going to talk about those types of things. But just even having a meeting where you're going to then discuss this in an open forum and maybe debate it and, and, and talk about 
action plans and, and calls to action, everything like that, that even the meeting itself is represents essentially the nucleus of a hate group. That That is when you are on a path to fascism. And so even regardless of what the topic is, you got to have Kerry Sheffield's back because if you allow this to happen, and it only takes, I'm telling you, it only takes a couple to allow happen that all of a sudden hotels start canceling you, people start getting nervous. Well, hey, if I show up, I'm going to have a job. I'm be, you know, they're going to take a photograph of me. I'll be in a hate group. That's why this has to be combated. But am I wrong that even the concept that you would bring people together who have an open, free, democratic uh, discussion of facts, ideas, opinions, would be, would be said that, no, that's verboten. You cannot do that. You can't possibly do that. And if you do that, you're a nucleus of for hate man. Steve, that's a great point. You're, you're exactly right, because that is the next logical step in the, the uh, progression of repression, that it starts with repressing speech, because that's really what this is. It's repressing our free speech. And then the next step is repressing the right to gather, because this is speech about a gathering. The next step is to repress the actual gathering itself. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, the, uh, the basic you know, Bill of Rights that outlines our ability to peaceably assemble. We already know those are under assault. We also see it in Canada to the north uh, with the truckers and, and uh, I mean, so many during COVID, uh, the Bill of Rights was completely in the U.S. thrown in the toilet. So um, that's part of why we are making such uh, a stink about this because it's, it is, it, it, in the ideology as, as we know, um, this transgender ideology, it is Marxist in nature. It's just one of the strands of critical theory, which was founded, you know, critical race theory, critical gender theory. It is a much deeper uh, systemic, if you will, as they like to use that word, uh, threat, um, because it does seek to undermine the notion of gender, because from their perspective, that is hierarchical, that male and female, that inherently, and in sort of the Barbie movie gets into this, which I will not give them my money at this point. But from what I've heard of the, the reviews, that it sort of plays into this, the same idea that uh, the hierarchy of male and female is that we're in a patriarchal society, therefore we need to yeah. completely disrupt the notion of gender. It's Marxist in nature, it goes to critical theory. Now the, the amazing thing here is too, is that the what you're discussing, when the questions are asked properly and not sneakily, but to ask properly, this is a 80, 20, 90, 10. American people are just not into this whatsoever across uh, ethnic lines, across racial lines, across religious lines. This is they're taking a radical minority's view on a topic and taking the most radical version of that view. And they're shutting down the vast, overwhelming 80 or 90 percent of the people and saying, oh, you're you're participating in hate speech. I don't think so. And I don't no. think we're going to allow you to do that. So what, and the call to action here, I want to be very specific because the audience, as you know, will put their shoulder to the wheel in this. What, what do, do we have a number? What do you want them to do? Are they supposed to email Eventbrite? They're supposed to call Eventbrite? Well, tell, us what, tell us what action you would find uh, to be helpful. Yes, yeah, so we have we do have a website where you can call or directly email the Eventbrite CEO. Uh, and the, the website, we created it. It's called unfairlycanceled.com unfairlycanceled.com and you can go to the headline there it's eventbrite bans let women speak austin event 
if you click on that, go to unfairlycanceled.com and click on that headline. Uh, there is a widget there where you can directly email the CEO. And like I said, if we can flood them, if you want to try calling them also, by all means, um, this is, I, I, we need to have our voices heard because you're exactly right. This is a small, and look, the, the U.S., we we don't want to we don't want to repress a minority. We don't want to repress anybody. Um, uh, we, people can. It's a free country. People can dress like a, a woman if they want. Uh, people can dress like a man if they want. It's a free country. Um, but the exactly. fact that we're talking about mandates and we're talking about uh, to- totally restructuring society uh, in ways that are pose a physical threat to women. Like that's just. I mean, that's part of why you had people laid off because of the Anheuser-Busch thing now. People are losing their jobs because people are not standing for what they did with Dylan Mulvaney and, and, and just using women as a, as a costume, as something to be um, taken off and on. Um, it's, it goes so much deeper than that. Carrie Sheffield, I've known you for a long time. I'd never thought you'd be called a hater. <laughs> You're the exact opposite. You're one of the nicest people in the world, but that's that's the world we live in today, and that's why you got to fight back. I want um, if uh, Captain Bannon and Grace Chung uh, could help me out here, and we're going to do a little producing on thing. If they can get all this information up and over to Carly Bonet, the people that are all over top of our Telegram and all the different chats and Rumble and everything, really want people to um, to because it's very important that this not be shut down. Uh, and Carrie, I want to thank you and for all the work you did. You're you're one of the bravest people I know. So you keep uh, keep fighting. In the war room, Posse will jump in here. Thank you, Steve. And likewise, keep fighting that good fight. Thank you, ma'am. Carrie Sheffield. Wow. So if Grace and Mo uh, can get that to all the different uh, chat rooms and let's let's be a force multiply and push that around. Um, absolutely outrageous. Also, the New York Post story. I don't think I've got the New York Post story to my team or whatever. But if we can. The New York Post story on Kerry, if we can get that out also. Um, Dave Wall. I backed up a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about, but since... So, Dave, I, I just have a question. I want to start with this. It's summer. And people know we're very familiar. The War Room is very familiar with the West. We're huge. We, we're lovers of the American West, and we try to spend as much time out in the American West as possible away from the imperial capital and away from my beloved South. But, you know, having been a boy raised in Virginia and throughout the South, and Dave, I know you're now in Florida and a bunch of our teams from Florida. It gets hot in the summer, right? It gets hot. It gets hot in parts of America in the summer. Washington, D.C., perfect example, hot and humid. Is there anything, because right now they're on a roll. I mean, it is like heat dome, doom and gloom, all of it. Is there anything you see particularly different that's what's happening here than simply we're having a, a hot summer, sir? No, from a climatological basis, very little difference from normative temperatures. Yeah, there have been some very hot periods in Texas and Southwest. Generally, I think we're up about one degree this summer, which in the vicissitudes of annual weather change is kind of normal. Um, but here, for, to point, what's going on now, BJM, that's the um, RTO dis- region of uh, 13 states plus the District of Columbia, Illinois, Indiana, over to Delaware through Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, have announced uh, today, declared a level one warning uh, or potential energy shortfall, commanding that all power plants in that whole 
13-state region, which comprises about 23% of the country for electricity, go on full-out operation tomorrow and Saturday due to the, according to the media, scorching heat. Well, here's the deal. Across PJM, average temperatures from Chicago over to Philly tomorrow will be 90.5 degrees Fahrenheit for late July, July 28th. That's pretty normal. In fact, that's right dead stick landing on normal temperatures for July 28th, and yet the PJM is running into a problem. Why is it running into a problem? In the last six years, they have shuttered 20,000 megawatts of coal-fired power, which run all of the time, 24 hours a day, and displace that with about 4,000 net megawatts of solar and wind. I say net because it's rating plate 20,000 megawatts. Yeah. When you factor down the fact that it only runs solar about 17% of the time in that part of the country, wind operational about 36% of the time, you have a gigantic deficiency in what's been added to replace yeah. this 20,000 megawatts of continuous coal-fired power. Can, That's only going to get worse. Can, can we do one that, thing? Hang on. Can we do... Can we do one thing for a second? Can we ask Memphis if they have the uh, the Zero Hedge article and can put up it? Because it's got a, a map. And we love maps here in the War Room. Um, we have a map here. And I want to show that, if we can show the map, because this is 23%. But it is a big hunk of the industrial heartland of this um, of the country, right? I mean, this is uh, oh, yeah. this is Tennessee, it. Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Delaware, PA, Maryland, Jersey, and North Carolina. It's a big region, 22% of the U.S. electrical demand in that region. And the weather is normal for July, 90 and a half degrees on average. It's, I'm sorry, that's about where it ought to be. It's not because of the weather. It's because the system is being tested by normal summer heat because the megawatt production of the system has shrunken because of the addition of part-time renewables that are vastly deficient in the power they produce compared to the coal power that's been taken offline progressively in the last six years. And then they're going to do, in the next five years, another 25,000 megawatts of coal additionally taken offline, which is going to exacerbate this problem. The head of uh, the uh, PJM region has been very outspoken about this. And he's, he's under Democratic reign of the present DOE, that they've got a huge problem with electrical capacity in that whole region going forward because of too much closure of stuff that runs all the time and being replaced by stuff that runs a very small portion of the time, even though it's environmentally popular. Right there, if you see that, that's uh, on Zero Hedge. It has that. I want that map because that map is pretty shocking. Um, how When this emergency is called for kind of the heartland of the industrial, you know, north or northeast Atlantic area, what can people anticipate? Because people didn't expect this to happen, and particularly because I don't think back here, you know, and I've been outside the time of the Navy in California, basically a New York, D.C., Virginia guy. I mean, summers get hot and muggy here. This does not seem to me to be any more. I remember I made was making films for Dave Bossy, I think, in the summer of the Tea Party Revolt of 2010. It was 2010. In July, I think they had something like 10 or 15 days over 100 degrees back here with like that 95% yeah. humidity. You couldn't even move. The it would, I mean, that was hot. I don't see people saying that it's, that it's this blow away hot. Now, parts of, of, of the Southwest, et cetera, and Texas is different. How, what will people's lives do with this emergency measure on the grid? What will what could are these going to be rolling brownouts? Are these going to be blackouts? How will how will this impact people's lives? 
Well, what they're saying is if, if all their generating facilities don't run flat out uh, Friday and Saturday, they, they could run into a periodic brownout, you know, four-hour day rolling brownouts. Probably not real likely, but, but they're, they're running the risk of that. But here's to your point on weather. The, the peak day ever in the, in the PJM region for power production was in, in July of 2006 when they, they, they needed 166,000 megawatts of power produced. We're talking tomorrow 10,000 megawatts less than that. So this isn't even a historic peak in power usage, but they're worried and they need to be worried because over six years, seven years, about 40,000 megawatts, nearly 20% of their capacity that's in place now is part-time stuff. And that back in 2006, that wasn't the case. At that time, your entire generation base was continuous duty, base load on demand. Again, on demand means hit the start button, a machine starts, it produces electricity on human command. Now, with this massive introduction of environment, nature-based renewables that are intermittent and not controlled by mankind when they start and stop, but by nature, you can't rely on a huge gob of the quarter million megawatts of electricity now produced in, in MISO, because, in PJM, because they're renewables and they run only on average about 22% of the day. And you don't know when that's going to be. Solar, you do know, it's not going to be there at night and not in the early morning. The wind is, the vicissitudes of the wind are unpredictable day to day. So you, you've displaced continuous duty power from 15 years ago with intermittent power. That's the problem. It's not the weather. The peak day ever was back in 2006. And everyone knows the period from 1930 to 1942 was intensely hotter than this. This is this is not beyond the normal range of temperature modification, okay. you know, modulation over time. I finally got the map. I want to thank Memphis. I want to thank my crack team here. You don't need to show me. Let's get the map back up. As soon as they get the map, they cut it away. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, walk me through. What does that map tell me right there for the TV audience? And this is why if you're listening on radio or the podcast, you've got to go uh, to warroom.org and get our email every day because we put out all the charts and graphs. Grace and the team puts out all the charts and graphs that we use so we can get it. What, what am I looking at right there, Dave Wall? Yeah, that's from Illinois over to Delaware, Maryland, down to Virginia. That's that's PJM. That's the interconnection called PJM. But then Tennessee, North Carolina are also a part of it. I mean, that's the heart of the nation. That's 22% of the U.S. electricity consumption and supply. And that that region, that FERC region, has already declared even two months ago that it's got a significant five-year-out issue with lack of continuous-duty generation because of all of the solar and wind that um, – has been built out in place of continuous duty power stations. So that, that's the heart of the country, including Pennsylvania, which is a, you know large some of the largest gas fields in the world, has the same issue because it's closed down enormous number of coal plants that run all the time. So we're, we're Look, really it's one thing, and it, don't take yeah, war don't, on yeah don't don't take this wrong. Well, I want to get to this. Don't and don't take this the wrong way because I know you're a Florida guy. It's one thing to have Florida, or maybe even before. The explosion of Phoenix now as a major tech center. It's one thing to have Arizona to have th issues in, in Florida. There's many good folks there, but it's not an industrial power base. When you talk Texas, and when you talk the basically industrial heart or the or the commercial heart of the nation right here, all of a sudden that's a different deal. That that, that you we're like, are we a third world country? These you've talked about the grid in Texas has been up for for brownouts. For the entire summer, and now we're talking about it. this is a game changer in the fact that that's not the United States. 
And this is not about a bunch of air conditioning being cut off at the villages in, in Florida, God bless the villages, or out in the Arizona desert, right? Because Phoenix is getting there, but not there. But I'm talking Texas, which is a major industrial power now, not just agriculture or, or oil and gas, but becoming a major industrial. And right there, that's the heart of the nation. That's the heart of the commercial part of the nation. And you're saying, hey, they're telling us if they don't run at full capacity for the next couple of days next week, you can start having flat out. You can start having brownouts. That's third world. That's developing nation stuff. Am, am I wrong in any of that, Dave Walsh? Totally correct. You, you cannot have a, an industrialized, developed economic, robust economic, developed society without full-time, flat-out, 100% of the time available, and cost-abundant, cost-effective electricity. That, that powers steel plants, mini mills, car plants, petrochemical facilities, paper mills, aluminum smelters, all server centers, the making of semiconductors, electronic products, all massively dependent on huge quantities of uninterruptible, high-quality electricity. We're running out of that in this country, which is winds up deferring heavy manufacturing offshore because we're going to we're increasingly lacking the baseload power to have factories in this country. And yeah, we're talking today about the heartland of this country. Yes, not Florida, but Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, where lots of products are made for this country. A lot of resources, development of aluminum, of steel, car plant manufacturing, uh, just. Um, the list goes on of the industrialization that will be imperiled by electricity shortages. This is happening in Germany substantially already. South Carolina has been a major recipient of German industrial investment, BASF, BMW, um, Bayer AG, because in part of massively high cost electricity back in the, in the fatherland and the abundance and cheapness I, I, of it in South Carolina over years, yeah. is, South Carolina has benefited from that. And now we're shooting that in the foot. And by the way, South and South Carolina's got its own uh, issues. Hang on, we got a lot more to get through. I just I sent Dave an article from the other day. We kind of backlog this stuff. It's a very detailed analysis of what we talked about. Uh, the Germans is now dawning on them that because of their energy policies, they're deindustrializing. The deindustrialization is a pre, you know you set the predicate of energy policy, and also deindustrializing. That's why we're going to get into this whole thing about the end of fossil fuel. And you got to stop fossil fuel, and it's got to be over. We are making policy decisions right now on energy that are going to have a massive impact. And these are not things you just kind of sit there and go, oh, you know, it's a little hot. Maybe where's our capacity? It takes years for this. Years of, of, of capital commitment, capacity building, training, processes, all of it. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. Dave Walsh is with us on all things energy. Under President Trump, it used to be full-spectrum energy dominance. How, that is pretty simple to understand, complicated to execute. But not if you have the political will and the savvy to do it. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to talk about all things energy when we return in the war room. Well, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the U.S. dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings?
Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And you don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what they're buying. Gold. Follow their lead. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings, too. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. Do it today. Follow the central banks of the BRICS. Take action, 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 and take that action today. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with covidtaxrelief.org. Okay, imagine you're at your doctor's office. Your doctor glances up from the chart and says, and I quote, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up, end quote. Now that's the Field of Greens better health promise. Check out this customer testimonial. He said, and I want to quote here, I've been taking Field of Greens, and this is the second time my doctor has danced into the room praising my blood results. Credit where credit's due. Thanks, Field of Greens, end quote. Now, each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. If you're busy... If you don't get enough exercise, if you eat too much fast food, take Field of Greens. Look, Field of Greens can't promise your doctor will dance into your room, but they can promise at your next checkup, your doctor will notice you improve health or you get your money back. Let me repeat that. You get your money back. I trust Field of Greens for my health, and you can too. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Take action today. Use your agency, fieldofgreens.com, 
promo code Bannon and get the better health promise. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, one of the things we try to do always is make sure that the audience, you're just not the smartest person in the stands at the Little League game or at the back of your barbecue, but uh, in places where it matters, right? In boardrooms or you're in meetings or in lunches or dinners uh, that count both professionally and personally and for the community for you. Um, the, the bricks, the um, road to the Durban Accords, is in front of us, twenty uh, second to twenty four August. That takes place in Durban, South Africa. The BRICS are coming together. There's now forty one, I think, countries signed up to join uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Many of those are making commitments to what they call the BRICS Bank. The um, the currency may not occur immediately, but they are working on. And they're going to lay out at least a framework, and that is going to have both resource back and it's going to be backed by some uh, some type of gold or precious metals. We hear gold right now. And um, it's not going to be convertible into gold because they can't do that right away. And this is not going to overtake the dollar immediately. But you see that the global south, essentially, has had a belly full of the financial irresponsibility of the United States of America. And then when you hear Dave Walsh, it's just not our financial irresponsibility. It's on, it's on ourselves as an industrial power. You cannot continue to be an industrial power if you do not have an energy policy that is lays the foundational element to be an industrial power. And that's what President Trump, ours was not energy independence. Ours was full spectrum energy dominant in every sector of energy, including sustainable and renewable or renewables for sustainability. But, but no problem there as long as it makes sense and as long as it makes logic, it doesn't need taxpayer bailouts and, 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 and basically bailing out the venture capital company. Go to birchgold.com slash Bannon right now and make sure you get, we have a summary pricey on everything related to um, the end of the dollar empire, what's going to happen in Durban, because you should know that. And you should be talking to the uh, Birchgold guys and Philip Patrick's team about gold as an alternative for your retirement. Potentially check it out. Hey, if the central banks of these countries are buying it with both hands. What do they know that you don't? And that's the question you should ask and then should think about it. Uh, this Durban meeting will not end Bretton Woods to set the financial structure post-World War II. But I will tell you, the Global South have as many smart guys and men and women that went to Harvard and went to Sloan and went to the University of Chicago and they can work in HP12C. They can do discounted cash flows and they are every bit as bright as everybody in this country. So just understand, they're not going to have their purchasing power hit by 10% a year. I think it's 17% since the Biden regime came in. And Dave Walsh, here's the other thing. And I know this because I have conversations with people in India and Japan, all over the world, particularly you know, in the anti-CCP movement that I lead. The one thing, these people are incredibly rational and focused. And the reason are is their countries are in the developing process. It's like America back with the revolutionary generation or back with Presidents Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln. They don't have the margin of error of being stupid. They don't have the margin of error of being silly or irrational. They look at us and they can't quite figure out what's going on. So, Dave, this whole it, it's almost like a cult ideology. 
I'm hearing government officials coming on TV and they're saying we got to end fossil fuel. The reason we can't do this, we got to we have to end fossil fuel immediately, and we can't uh, we can't have used fossil fuel after uh, twenty uh, you know twenty twenty five or twenty. They're they're making these proclamations and making decisions off of it. What backup is this? An insanity or is is it some kind of fever? that's taken over our elites that they just have this mantra. Now, every night on TV, it's hot. It's the hottest it's ever been. I go, it's not the hottest it's ever been. I've been a Southern or East Coast kid in the Atlantic forever. It's, it's like you said, it's 90 degrees. Baby, to give me the, I've seen summers where it's 98 all the time. You can't move and the humidity is so terrible. What is going off there? At least because the world elites, and this is what's so important about Durban, they've had a belly full of it. And these are, a lot of these people are our sworn enemies. Some of them happen to be our allies and want us to succeed and, and be the leader of this. But they sit there and look at the irrationality, the irresponsibility on the fiscal side, the irresponsibility on the monetary side, and they look at the exact insanity. And I look no farther than Germany, the second or third greatest industrial power in the world that is actively de-industrializing. Now that is all in these articles, de-industrializing. Why? Because of energy policy, Dave Walsh. Well, they're deindustrializing because environmental policy in their minds is, is running everything. They have no they have no rational energy policy. And now they're coming to grips with if you're into this net zero CO2, anti-CO2 decarbonization thing, you can't have basic steel making. You can't have auto assembly. You can't have petrochemical plants, chemical plants, which, by the way, has been a big industry in Germany. You can't have any of that. You can't have aluminum smelting, specialty steel making, if you're a real net zero advocate. And the issue is with the BRICS nations, we mentioned one time on the show, only 13 countries in the world are really in actions really um, all over this net zero thing. In the countries in Western Europe and in North America, Canada, the U.S., New Zealand, Australia, that's it. The balance of countries, about 180 in number, are all about developing their economies as robustly as they can for the people living in those economies, for developing manufacturing, basic manufacturing, production of durable goods, and a currency that's dependent on valuable assets such as commoditized gold, silver, copper, lithium, and also on energy, natural gas, oil, and coal as the basis of currency value makes a compelling sense as opposed to dependence on governments who simply print currency and raise taxes incessantly and, and hope that their currency would somehow remain strong while abandoning manufacturing, which is what's happening in the, in the 13 countries. So this is a, you know, no, that their, their view on this isn't going to change. And, you know, to your point, if anyone wants proof of how ludicrous this is, the weather, the ballyhooing about the weather is entirely false. We've had nine years now of flat global temperatures, according to the National Science Foundation. And we've also had, you know, this binge now of the seeking by these same BRICS nations, in, in case of some of them, of climate reparations, which really shows what this has been all about. Wealth transfer, sponsored by the Chinese to, to nations who have... Um, feel as though that's a yet another way or rationalization to take money out of the West, climate reparations. So these, I mean, these issues prove what this, what this agenda has been all about. It's not about science. Ah, uh, uh, hang on. Use the R word. Go back. When you say climate reparations, what do you mean? They, they, they want a transfer. They're saying that your industrialization process damaged us because it damaged the earth systems. You owe us. So let's have a wealth transfer. How, how does that work? 
Well, the United Nations COP27 uh, Environmental Conference last year put forward in a notional massive wealth transfer over a 10-year period to developing nations damaged by Western Europe, the U.S., Japan, uh, industrial last 50 years, carbon damage to them, that China, India, the sub-Saharan African nations, the South American nations should be paid reparations for the past climate damage caused by the developed West. Uh, and, and it, I mean, it's even Venezuela. Maduro had his hands out at the meetings to Kerry and, and Macron that he, too, should participate as a recipient, even though Venezuela has been a four million barrel a day oil exporter forever, that they should participate in receiving climate reparations. How, how ludicrous. You know, this is about wealth transfer. It's not. And, and, and the fact that our government, present government, supporting this notion, Kerry, under the leadership of Biden, supporting this and in fact help create the notion to do this, this is insanity for us. It's absolute insanity. But it shows what the, I mean, what the real agenda is behind this CO2 thing. It's about wealth transfer, and it's about diminishing the industrial power and the military power concurrently of the West, vis-a-vis China. Talk to me about this article I sent you about the Dutch economists. I want you to walk through the mechanics of how they're, and when they say the quiet part out loud, because they're quite advanced in their thinking about about the uh, about decar I guess decarbonizing society or, or beginning truly the, the, this reparation. Well, they've enacted a uh, corporate um, carbon credit system among seventeen major corporate projects now in law that corporations can trade carbon credits. You get a certain carbon carbon credit based on the amount of carbon you emit in your factory operations, making your products that if you don't use all of that, you can sell it to those companies who created too much carbon. So they, they, what had happened is Barbara Barsma, who was the head of the Rabo Carbon Bank and removed as CEO, came out and acknowledged they were way downstream in planning to do the same thing with families. And that is develop a scheme of here you're a family of four or whatever in a 1,100 square foot dwelling with one vehicle. You get carbon credits for X per year that if you don't use up, you can sell to wealthy people to offload your carbon responsibility. And through this, basically have um, the the rich feel as though they're subsidizing the poor by buying their carbon credits so that they can continue to emit massive quantities of carbon as uh, wealthy it's, folks by buying the credits from the poor. It, it, the whole yeah, scheme. But, but, yeah. but, but, it, but it's, deeper, it's deeper than that. What, I want you to go back and, and give me a couple minutes on why they are obsessed with carbon as the control mechanism for society. Because they're doing it with the corporations and they've got these exchanges to do it. But she said the quiet part out loud in the fact that, oh, but our real plan is to put it that it's a, it's a social credit score for the yeah. families. And yes, they'll have the ability the the was it the, the, the wealthy and their, and their great uh, benefiting and philanthropically source and these guys will do it but the key is that they will have a control mechanism uh to basically control you on a social credit score about yeah. your your seriously your family's carbon footprint why is it carbon why have they chosen carbon as the mechanism to control it well it, it becomes a heuristic for measuring social behavior yes a sh- social credit score that if you use less carbon drive less have less home heating less home cooling uh, less beef consumption, probably, in the mix. You then generate the ability to sell unused credits to the wealthy and have the wealthy feel as though they're helping out through this process. It's really a credit score based on your carbon use, which is a way of control. Remember, 
Holland is in the middle of trying to buy buy out 40% of the family farms in Holland to eliminate the pollution caused by by gas gas created fertilizers, ammonia uh, being the main one that they want to eliminate the use of on farms by buying out 40% of the family farms in that the most productive farming nation in the world for the same reason, using this carbon thing as a raison d'etre of control. That that it's it's about that. It's not about the uh, about the environment, because these same nations, Western European nations, were up in arms over Biden's first uh, climate act because the U.S. had jumped ahead of them in even more egregiously aggressive subsidies for decarbonization. So they became angry over that imbalance in subsidies, not about the the, the environment. Uh, this is uh, a, a entirely a control mechanism. Talk to me. I want to. Uh, this show is about activists. The show is about uh, empowering people, and so people use their agency. We just had an experience in Rhode Island with Dave Walsh. Uh, walk us through the whole thing and and, and what happened, well, what you were able to present, and how citizens were able to take action. Well, Steve, I'm I'm don't say it enough. I'm incredibly indebted to you for this forum to talk about real energy issues so publicly. Um, and I had a terrific example that a few weeks ago, I was asked to appear on a radio show in Providence. Good guy by the name of John Lachlan has a weekend radio show. He wanted about seven weeks ago an analytic on their Revolution Wind 1000 megawatt offshore wind project. Does it make sense or not make sense? So I, I got on, I reminded his audience, hey, you guys are second in the nation with the highest energy cost per capita for electricity. Hawaii's worst, highest at 45 cents. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Mass tied at about 32 cents a kilowatt hour, more than double the national average. So you're being egregiously taken advantage of by a wind farm that's only going to produce 420 megawatts of electricity and cost ratepayers $3.5 billion to build. Offshore wind, when you factor the 20-year life of it, compared to nuclear is 40, is the most expensive source of energy in the world beside conventional nuclear. It's I mean, utterly senseless, particularly because it only it works 42% of the time, and the cost of that is nine times higher than building a conventional combined cycle gas-fired plant that recycles its exhaust for 50% more energy. This stuff is nine, offshore wind nine times more expensive. So I claim to the folks up there, hey, you're being taken advantage of because your rates are so high already that companies like Orsted, European company building this, can come in and tell you they're not going to raise your rates any further. But this isn't going to reduce rates. This is not free energy. This is the most expensive energy in the world when you, you know, amortize the cost of an offshore wind farm. Well, lo and behold, last week, the uh, State Public Service Commission rejected investing in the Revolution Wind Project. Now, even to be around talking about it to their citizenry, I think was an, an important avenue to getting some notoriety of, on a, an economic basis. These projects are utterly senseless, except for the developer who's building them and going to rape the ratepayers with 31 cent electricity that's part-time, intermittent, and non-operational 58% of the time. So that apparently that argument resonated and the project has been um, de declined by the Public Service Commission. So on the basis of being too costly. So very happy. But Steve, without this forum, you've provided, and folks hearing it, that kind of audience wouldn't be available. To hear the, the truth well, about people this stuff. Are pe pe people want information. They, they want information in their own lives, and you, you do such a great job. Where on social media do they go to get you, Dave? Because you've become a, a game changer, and I really, really want to 
uh, say uh, thanks, everybody in Rhode Island, uh, for allowing Dave Walsh to have that platform up there. And good things happen. You get, the, you know, I'm sure nobody knew any of the details or any of the math about it until you were able to expose it. And that's what we try to do here. To your point, people in all parts of the country are willing to hear this. All parts of the country. It, it's rather amazing. It's not limited here in the southeast. And you can find me on uh, Dave Walsh Energy on Truth Social and Getter as well. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Dave Walsh, thank you very much. Uh, breaking news, my staff has just uh, handed me that uh, two more, tr- President Trump has been charged with two more, uh, I guess, major felonies by Jack Smith in the Mar-a-Lago case. Uh, and this has been charged with deleting security footage, quote, Daily Mail's lead story, Trump wanted the server white. All types of information about this. So we'll get more into this tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. We're going to have quite a show tomorrow. We're going to have uh, Liz Wheeler. Remember, Liz is an anchor. I think over One America's Voice Reader is just incredibly, uh, I've got her own site, uh, just an incredible news person. We have Alex Jones. Alex is going to walk through both um, what's happening. He, he was shocked by this hearing. He's going to give his own take on it. Uh, and some new information he's come up with. Also talk about his book, The Great Awakening. Nancy Mace is also going to join us with what's going on, and I'm sure it's going to be the firestorm around the president's, uh, the lawfare uh, against the president. But also, she has some some brutally tough questions, got some shocking answers about non-human biologics, all of it. Nancy Mace is going to be here to join us. And Rudy Giuliani really is going to finally get a chance to walk through What's really happened in this Georgia situation, according to Rudy and others around him, it's a big misinterpretation. He wants to make sure the record's set straight, and we always have uh, time, Rudy Giuliani. So back here at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, uh, make sure home title lock. I do not want anybody having one of these bad guys in cyber all of a sudden uh, take your um, uh, take your title, take a second mortgage out on it with a hard money lender at high interest rates, and then you got to pay it back. That would be a shot below the waterline for most of the nation. Make sure it doesn't happen. HomeTitleLock.com. Go check it out. Uh, and make sure you go visit uh, the events here. We're on the Lindell Network for the 6 o'clock show. Mike Lindell, uh, Lindell events for the 16th and 17th. We want everybody to be watching this online, and we want everybody to push it as a force multiplier. Mike's going to walk through the plan and obviously that's getting to be pretty contentious, so we want everybody there. 10 o'clock tomorrow, the show in the morning. I keep committing to you, it's going to be on fire. Plus this weekend we're going to have a, a, an incredible show that we're working on right now. Okay, leave you with uh, one of the great songs of the sea. We'll see you tomorrow morning in the Worm, 10 a.m. Tomorrow you will get your pay And it's time for us to leave her Leave her, Johnny, leave her Oh, leave her, Johnny, leave her Oh, the voyage is done and the winds don't blow And it's time for us to leave her the winds blew foul and the seas run high. Leave her, Johnny, leave her. We shipped them green and none went by. And it's time for us to leave her. 
You know, we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer. Every year, year in and year out, heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. 
That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.